This is Agents Influence Podcast. I think one of the areas that's often overlooked with a lot of sales teams and new sales leaders or just sales leaders in general is the prep work, kind of the prior work to selling that's making sure everything is in its place. Many sales teams, they're not doing that prep work when it comes to making sales really easy for themselves, right? They don't have a clear understanding of who can best benefit from their service. They don't have an idea of what they're going to do that day, right? They just kind of show up and throw up throughout their entire day, not really having a plan and not really working on that plan. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. Today, I am here with Mr. Mark Evans. Uh, You may remember him from uh, prior podcasts, uh, and if you do, it's because it was an awesome one. And we talked a lot about sales and some different types of things that he's doing. He actually put me in contact with uh, Craig Valentine with The Perfect Day the perfect formula. If you remember that, I even did a little podcast on that, even had Craig on, and that was a fantastic time. But today, the reason why I asked Mark to come back on um, is because Mark is recently uh, releasing a book, and it's called Raise Your Standards, right? And it, and, it, and the, the definitive guide to building seven-figure sales. So if you, once again, if you want to, go ahead and hit pause swing back about four, three, four or five months, listen to Mark. And the reason why I read, reached out to him is because I was doing a sales series where I wanted to talk about sales. Oh, it was actually in the month of July. And I wanted to talk about that. And he was somebody that I see on LinkedIn a lot, also giving great advice and about how he builds um, sales teams. So I reached out to him. Now here we are, fast forward, Okay, so you now have listened to the other podcast. Now you're on to this one. And his book has come out and uh, or is getting ready to be released. I don't think it's out yet. Maybe he will let you know. But I want to introduce Mark. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, Jason, I am doing so well, and I'm really fired up and happy to be here. And uh, the book launches today. That's a, Oh, are you serious? Serious wow. right now? Yeah, just went live. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Dude, that was great. Obviously, they won't hear this for a couple of weeks, but I did not know today was the actual... I've been seeing that you've been doing a lot of uh, publications and trying to push it out there and all over social media and stuff like that. Well, that's I've I've read I've talked to one person who had a sneak peek at it, said that it was very impressive. Um, what do you feel was probably your main? What was your main reason for writing this book? Raise your standards. Yeah, well, there was a couple reasons as to why I decided to write the book. And uh, one of the first ones is my wife is an entrepreneur and she's running a sales team. And she would always call me up and she would just ask me questions, things that I thought like were pretty. I don't know. They were like second nature to me, right? And she was like, "No, this isn't second nature. Like this is this is really good stuff." And so unbeknownst to me, she started actually like recording our conversations or transcribing our conversations. Um Really? Yeah, so she presented to me like after probably 2 or 3 weeks of us doing this for about an hour a day or so. Um she presented with me this like she's like, "Hey, you've got what's almost the start of a book here. She's like, there's five or six chapters here that are really good that I reference every day when it comes to our sales team." 
team. Um, so I think you've got something going on. And I, man, Jason, I pushed back constantly for probably a good solid like month or so. I just said, no. Really? I'm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I uh, really struggled reading as a kid. I had dyslexia growing up. And so I just like the thought of writing a book uh, was so daunting and so scary that I just, I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but she kept kind of prodding me and she's like, Hey, just give it a shot. Right. And so I started writing back in March of 2018 officially, and things just started really to flow. I started to, it really gave clarity to me as well. It gave clarity Mm -hmm. to the processes and procedures that I put in place. And, uh, yeah, that's, and that became the book. And then, uh, uh, I really got serious with it about, um, nine months ago or so. And today is launch day. And uh, I couldn't be happier. Couldn't be more pleased with the book. Yes, that is. I mean that that I'm I'm very I'm very excited for you because I I have been there five years ago. I was four years ago, and it was an exciting time. And you just want everybody to read it because you've spent so much time in it. I don't know about you, but I was actually sick and tired of my book by the time it came out because I had to read and read and <laughs> edit and read and reread it so many damn times. You? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There was probably like 32 times I wanted to quit during the entire process as well. I'm okay at like putting thought out there and putting like the big picture thought, but the editing just seems so tedious and con- mm-hmm. time consuming to me. That's what really, uh, that's where I got tired of. Well, and then you read the books over and over so much that you start thinking of your own criticism and criticizing the book and changing it. And it's like, no, just leave it as it is. Right. You know? And so I, I reached out, I went and found somebody to help me edit my number one. I can barely spell number two. I, I, um, I, I just couldn't, I can't do that tedious work. And how I wrote mine was very similar to you in a way that my wife didn't record it, but I would walk around my backyard and I would open up a Google doc Mm-hmm. And I would hit the uh, text to speech and I would just walk around or speech to text. Um, so I would, I would walk around and just talk in, oh, into that's my phone. Awesome. That's a really and smart I, idea. And, and I got to the very, I got really good at it, exclamation mark. And I would really think to myself, can I really do this that much? Question mark. And I really did. <laughs> and I mean, and I would just, you know, in next paragraph and I could just roll. And after a while, I'm a little rusty right now, but after a while I was able to just to spit out some stuff. So what was yeah. your, what was your um, secret to being able to actually get this done? You know, you wanted to quit 30 sometimes. Yeah. I mean, what was your, what was your secret? Well, for one, uh, I really felt like I had a message to share. So I think that's a big one, right? If you've got something, if you have a good reason and if you have the motivation behind it, you'll find the why behind it. At least that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then second, you know, I really had a support system. I'd start putting it out there. I'd started talking to friends and saying like, Hey, I'm working on this book. And I think one of the, I'm not going to say frustrating or annoying things, but you know, there's always that person in our life who seems like, um, every time you talk to them, they always have like, well, I'm working on this book, right. Or I'm working on this right. and nothing ever like comes of it. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey bro, we talked about that book a couple years ago. How you doing with that? And I did not want to be that person in uh, yep. like my friends' lives and in uh, like my business colleagues' lives. So I guess getting that leverage from outside people, um, from my friends and family, was one of the really big pushes for me to say, "Gosh, just keep, just keep going, just be persistent." Uh, and, and yeah, and then so I got now. Done. Here's the thing, Mark. After you write the first book, then you can be that person, right? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. that person now. I'm like, 
Well, I'm thinking about writing my second book, and, and they can't they can't deny me because I already no. did it once, right? You're an now author, like, baby. I'm an author, always an author. You can't take that away. So yeah. I just like strut around, going, "I think I might start my second book tomorrow." <laughs> right? No, yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, I mean, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I'm tell you, like, I do not, I don't get off. I'm not the kind of person that's going to tell you that I'm an author, mm-hmm. but I love when someone asks me about <laughs> it. I do. I love it when someone will say something to the effect of, so like, so tell me one thing that you've done in your life that other people haven't done. Oh, <laughs> well, well uh, do, do you have all day, right? Because I mean, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, I love saying I'm an author because really, to be honest with you, it's very overrated from what it is. And I want to say this because it is a process. It is work. It is a grind more than anything, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, all of us have thoughts and all of us have our expertise of those thoughts or the way that we were we see those differently. It's about putting those in an organized fashion and putting it out there. I was amazed when I found out that 40,000 words is a novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 40,000 words. Uh, folks, like my first draft of walking around, it was like 50,000 words. I, I think mine ended up being around 33 to 32,000 is what I what I ended up. And I was thinking to myself, like, I crack myself up if I would categorically, categorically call myself uh, uh, an author of a novel. You yeah. know what I mean? It just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what say you? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big part too is just the consistency, right? Is it overrated? Yeah, sure. And there's it's now easier than ever to write a book, right? With all of the yep. services, I used Scribe Media out of Austin, Texas to write mine and they were super helpful to take it from the entire process. But at the end of the day, right, it's what separates people. It's giving you that clarity of thought where you actually sat down and you did the work, you put the um the words on the page and you made it happen. And so, while it's easier than ever, um right? There still will be people in your lives that say, hey, I'm going to work on a book and they'll never get around to do it. They'll never even get the outline out. So man, I I would say for any of the authors out there, yeah, you can make it. So you feel confident, you feel confident Mm -hmm. in what you're talking about, what you're saying and what you're doing out there, trying to create a sales team. What's, I mean, somebody is going to say, hey, I'm going to read this book. What was the main motivation for you to do it other than your why or whatever? What was like, what's a couple of those things that when you're writing them, you're thinking, man, if someone just reads this part and grasp it, they'll be able to get this. You got any of those? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple big ones in the book that I talk about. And one of the things I found with a lot of sales teams that I've either managed or I've helped start, or uh, I'm working with right now as part of my business is really that there's not a common language when it comes to sales, right? So you sit down in a conversation and a lot of sales teams, they're not using the same vocabulary words and they're not using the same um, like diagnostic tools, right? So when someone goes and meets with a prospect, very few teams are, are have a structure of Uh, And this is what I cover in the book of how do you build good rapport actually either over the phone or in an appointment? How do you ask great questions, right? So that's the really important part of the actual sales conversation, the questions you ask. The third part being speaking to answers, taking that information you learned in the interview process and applying it um, and then presenting or pitching. And then third, creating a, or I'm sorry, fourth, creating a win-win, right? The closing part of the conversation, which is just a natural way to move on to the next step. And so 
so I worked with a lot of sales teams that they didn't have any commonality when it came to actually what they're doing in a sales team, right? So they would go out and meet with a prospect and they would say, well, the first part of the conversation was pretty good. I asked some decent questions. And then like towards the end, I don't really know what happened, right? They weren't able to follow a real map. And so that's one of the things that I propose in the book is the actual map to a good conversation, which is what I talked about rapport before was the rapport, the interview, the asking good or the uh, speaking to answers and creating a win-win. That's one of the big wins that a lot of sales teams are really loving and really digging on because it gives them an actual ability to say, hey, I really need to work on the rapport part of my conversation. I need to open up more. I need to be more personal with my prospect. And I need to work more on the creating a win-win, right? The natural closing part of the conversation. I'm just not confident. I'm not concise with it. So those are some of the big takeaways that a lot of sales teams uh, and advanced readers are really loving from the book. So, okay. So that makes, so a common language and that does make sense because there really is no common language in, in some of those things. One of the things, what would you say has been, is one thing that you, if, if someone's wondering if they're a good sales manager or a good sales team leader, like what is one of those things that you would say, this are, this is a self-diagnosis that could tell you, here's where you could get better, or here's something that you see a lot of people you know, really mess up on as a sales leader. Yeah, I think one of the areas that's often overlooked with uh, a lot of sales teams and new sales leaders or just sales leaders in general is the prep work, right? Kind of the prior work to selling that's making sure everything in it is in its place. I liken it to uh, a technique that a lot of cooks use called mise en place, which in French means everything in its place. Um, and really the concept behind that is if you go out to a restaurant, whether it's a Waffle House uh, or a Denny's or a five-star restaurant, the if you have a seven o'clock reservation, the chef and the rest of the staff, they didn't just show up at like 6.30 and, hey, Jason's coming in for a seven o'clock reservation. You know, what are we cooking tonight? Maybe we should try to figure that out. <laughs> no, Good they're, point. yeah, Good you point. know, they're, they're starting at like 10 a.m., 9 a.m. sometimes at, depending on the restaurant and they're, you know, uh, chopping the vegetables, getting the sauces ready, making sure the spices are right, right? So a restaurant is taking that level of detail when it comes to preparing a meal for you, right? A 45 minute, maybe a 90 minute type of interaction, two hours if it's a really you know big meal, right? They're taking that level of care to make sure that their guests are serviced. And oftentimes with many sales teams, they're not doing that prep work when it comes to making sales really easy for themselves, right? They don't have a clear understanding of who can best benefit from their service. They don't have an idea of what they're going to do that day, right? They just kind of show up and throw up throughout their entire day, not really having a plan and not really working uh, that plan either. So that's some of the big things that I think a sales leader could really implement when it comes to prep work, to having them escalate and maximize their sales. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand 
And like a good, solid Cuban-American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. And when it comes to the plan and looking at the plan, one of the things that I think is very important when I'm trying to talk to my producers is defining our customer, defining who our customer is. I believe that the that the the victory is in the targeted prospect list. I can't say that enough how I think it's even when you're taking a producer who's having a tough time getting in the door, you normally or a producer is having a tough time closing, you normally can relate back to they're usually sitting in front of or trying to get appointment in front of the wrong person. And I think that that can, de- that can demoralize a, a, a salesperson. But as a leader, you have to recognize that. So you put them in a situation to where you're going to put give them the best pri- uh, opportunity to win. Yeah, what do you think yeah. about that, oh, Mark? Definitely. Well, I really like what you said before uh, when it came to the list, right? Identifying who's the best fit for your service. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people that aren't a great fit for your business, your product, your widget, whatever it is. But yet we spend, what, maybe 60, 70, 80% of the time trying to follow up and trying to pound a square peg into a round hole, right? If only mm-hmm. they just recognized, right, that I can do this for them or I can do whatever for them, right? And so that's how sales is very hard, right? But then there's probably been other occasions for many of the listeners out there where sales has just been so easy, right? Where it's like, oh, they just realized this was exactly what they needed. And it was an easy transaction. It was an easy process. And often the difference between that really hard, frustrating experience and that easy, um, lucrative, right? Let's say that uh, as well as just kind of value-driven interaction is based on who they target. So yeah, I'm a huge believer Mm -hmm. in that. I think everything. Yeah, definitely. Everything. Uh, like the confidence a producer has in their cold calling or in their in their networking if they're around people who have an interest in their product or they're an expert in their services that they could provide to that person, it makes them feel more inviting to be around that type of person, right? Definitely. It's kind of like walking It's kind of like walking into a room and it's your family and friends versus walking into a room and you don't know anybody, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I know these people. These people know me. And even if they don't know me, they know that I'm part of this group. And I think that so it goes back to um, knowing your client is kills your prospecting because mm-hmm. if a client, if a cold calling, if you know that you're going to pick up the phone and these and these people have a desire um, to do business with you or they have a need or they're in your niche or you know they're your target, you're going to be more highly likely to pick up the phone and call that person. Mm-hmm. You know everything, the type of service that you provide after the sale has to be in line with that type of client and what they're wanting. It, it it permeates through the whole organization and it all starts with that targeted list. But I think, Mark, tell me if I'm wrong here, 
I think that's the part we look over. We always just think, oh, we'll go to the yellow pages and print off everything that has to do with contractors. Mm-hmm. Well, just because they're a contractor doesn't necessarily mean that you write all diff- all types of contractors, right? It's not. I think sometimes if we even think about a certain, for instance, insurance, we may want to go after contractors. I think a lot of us don't even think. A lot of us just sit down and go, okay, well, who in town do I know? You're right. Mm -hmm. Rather than, and then some of us will say, okay, no, it's not just I know, but the ones that are contractors, right? You know what, Mark? This actually makes me think of something. What does it make you think of, Jason? I'm actually glad I thought about this. So the targeted list goes back to, Mark, so so feel me on this. The old saying is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm, I see what you're putting down. But let me take it one step further than this because this is what Cast Dog does. It's not it's not what you know and who you know, but it's not who you know. It's how well you know them. Yeah. See, this yeah. goes back to that targeted list. It's not just the fact that you're going after contractors, but what specific type of contractor or client is that? I'll give you a case in point and example. The the reason why Cast Dog thought of this is because I remember back in 2011, 2012, something like that, Barack Obama's stepbrother was who he didn't have a relationship with. They knew each other, but not a relationship, was being extradited or whatever. I can't think of the right word, but he was being taken back to Kenya. And he pleaded to the president of the United States, who is his half-brother, to override, and he could have said, no, he's staying. And Obama said, no, I'm not going to stop it. Now, that made me think. I thought to myself, it wasn't what the guy knew. It was who he knew. But even though he knew the president of the United States, it's not how well he knew him. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. It was the fact that if, believe me, and I, maybe I'm wrong, history would only be able to tell what what happened, but I'm willing to bet if that guy had a personal relationship with Obama and they saw each other weekly or monthly or whatever, I guarantee you that guy's still here in America. Oh, definitely. Maybe he doesn't even get into that situation, right? It just goes He's away. not even in that situation. Good point, Mark. So it's not what you know and who you know, but it's not who you know. It's how well you know him. That goes back to the targeted list. Yep. That goes back to the list of it's not just who you know, it's how well you know him. And how well you know him, you're going to have a lot more, uh, a lot better success. What say you, Mark? Yeah, just to riff off that a little bit more, I think in that same line of knowing them, right? Like knowing the demographics and the psychographics, but also knowing their goals and values, like where they are, where they are headed, knowing really what their pain points are. What are their struggles, right? What are those big mountains that they have to climb every day to get to business? And what's that pebble in their shoe, right? What's that nagging thing that's always getting them reaching for a drink at the end of the night or having them stress eat? Really understanding that is so, so important. And just one last thing to add on to that is, you know, when you can provide a solution or a service, right, to those that you can best help, you're going to be more confident than ever before, right? If I'm 100% confident that, Jason, I can provide the best level of coverage and service and customer experience to, let's call it a you know home builder in your area that has 15 employees, man, if I, I just am certain about that, well, I'm going to have so much more confidence in being able to deliver the solution confidence begets more confidence. Um, and then they know me as the individual that uh, is going to help them. Right. And so that's really, uh, yeah, I think you, you got some gold there, cast dog. 
Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> cast dark. I know I threw that out there, and I don't know why I did that. Usually, I like it. I like that's it. My buddies, my buddies always <laughs> call me cast dark. But anyways, no, that was that. That was something. And you know, I was actually thinking about that about a week or two ago about that, and I was thinking, man, I need to bring that into a podcast because I, there was something else that happened, and and more on the personal side of where I saw that happen again, and it just makes me really realize it's. And, and here's the deal: I don't think it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's always been that way. I think it's always been, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's been that way. But I think our relationships, it's another example of the future's relationships. Our relationships are getting so deep that it's easy to distinguish those from those that are not deep, right? Yeah. So, so like if I saw Mark two times a year, or that was probably the most times I saw my aunt and uncle as well, right back mm-hmm. in the day because of lack of, 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 of communication. We weren't always on. I mean, there was a point in time people can't grasp this, that like you would leave for work in the morning and, and, and like your husband or wife could not get a hold of you yeah. unless you were at the work. Right. Yep. But if you were traveling for three hours, you were, you didn't know. <laughs> and so, so you talked to less people and you had less deep relationships. So it was really, it was kind of just like who, you know, but now it's like, yeah, yeah, well, I know Mark Evans, but like, I don't truly like know him like I know these people, right? Mm-hmm. So it just comes down to that. And I think that that's some of the stuff that technology and social media has has allowed us to do. I think people, I think we always concentrate, Mark, on the on the bad side of social media and digital marketing, but we don't think necessarily always of the good side, which is how we enhance and deepen relationships with it. Um, yeah. Some of it is fake, but a lot of it is truly real. It yeah. really, truly is. Yeah. Yeah. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I totally agree. I think like this podcast, right, is a great example of that. You and I have never met in person. We shared a couple emails. But man, I feel like I know what's going on in your life. I saw your recent photos of your trip. I saw your awesome Halloween costume. I feel like, man, <laughs> I'm a part of Cast Dog's life. Like I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're forming a relationship here. And I think one other thing that smart producers will be able to use is, yes, it's, uh, it's a lot about, you know, um, who you know, how well you know them, but also who knows you. So going back to our example before of like, hey, if you're known as the insurance agent or the producer who specializes in home contractors with 15 employees, man, everybody's going to tell their friends, right? And so I think a lot of it, especially with social media, is becoming known, right? And who mm-hmm. knows you when they have a need, when they need some sort of service. Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah, it truly, it truly totally is. It, it, it deepens a relationship in a way you don't realize it's happening. Exactly what you just said. You are not going to get on. Let's say it's the day after Halloween. Okay. Let's say it's November 1st and you and I are doing this podcast. You would not have asked me what I wore for Halloween the night before. Mm-hmm. You would o- you would already be deep into the conversation being like, oh my gosh, dude, I saw those pictures and you were, oh my gosh. You know, we're already so far into it. Yeah. I, I, I use this example from way back. I was at a re- class reunion and a guy comes up to me and this is re- right around 2010, 2011, 2013, somewhere around there. Facebook is kind of new to the world still. And he comes up to me and I haven't seen him since 1996 when we threw the hat off, you know, yeah. and, and, and he comes up and we start talking to me and I and I say hey how is your daughter Abigail um how is she and he looks right at her he's like she's fine I'm like you know the 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 cut on her foot I was like I saw on Facebook where you guys were on family vacation and she stepped on a piece of glass on the sand and you ended up spending three days in the hospital during I was just wondering how it was and he's looking at me like 
I haven't talked to you in 15 years and you know that much about me. And I thought to myself at that point in time, that's the power of this. Mm-hmm. We we nonchalantly go through this Facebook world, this social media world, and we see all the negatives that come of it, but we don't really see the side effects of the relationships that we have deepened. Even with my own aunt and uncles, like in other other states, that I would see them just at Christmas. I mean, I follow what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. They're following with me. I know the grandkids. And I think that, that we just kind of, Mark, we just kind of always assumed that it's been that way. But what we don't realize is it just started to be that. That way. Yeah. You know, it'll be that way for our kids, but it mm-hmm. always, it hasn't always been that way. No, it hasn't. It sure hasn't. Mark wrapping this up, buddy. They want to get out. They want to reach out to you. They're like, dude, I want to get to know this author. I want him to come build a seven and eight figure sales team for me. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Best way to do it is going to be at markpatrickevans.com slash book. That's going to give them all the information about this book. If they want to get it, there's also a free companion guide with it that really just takes the concepts in the book, drills it down. So if you're looking for results even faster, that's a great guide to get it. And that's at markpatrickevans.com dot com slash book yeah well mark i do appreciate you man um whenever you uh get the seal of from the uh new york times bestseller (laughs) be sure to send me a picture of it so i can uh, put it out on the airwaves and Uh, let them know once again we know another new york times bestselling author so dude i appreciate your time i really do mark thank you so much jason i so appreciate being on your podcast and uh, again man just appreciate this relationship that we've built thank you Yeah, we'll do it again. I promise. This has uh, been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Today, we had a conversation with Mark Evans from Raise Your Standards, the book that's coming out today. Today's the 19th. You're probably listening to this sometime in December. So it's been out for a while. It's probably a New York Times bestselling, (laughs) USA Today bestseller, New York Times, New York Post. You name it, it's it's a bestseller. Tell me your thoughts. (laughs) Tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Out!